Welcome to the Raising Great Kids podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Fleming. Before we dive into the next episode, which you're really going to want to hear, it's a great one, I want to tell you about a new tool that we have created just for you and your child. The tool is designed to help you facilitate better communication between you and your kids. As a matter of fact, we created something that's fun for your kids. It has magnets and images and things that will really relate to both your preschool child. We have another product for your older elementary child to get them talking talking about their day. Now listen parents, one of the ways that you create a strong bond with your child is you set aside time, you make space to lean into their world, to hear about what's happening in their life. And this tool is designed to do just that. So you, every night, let them dig into that tool. They choose what they're feelings that represent their day through the magnets and the images. And then we're going to coach you and, and encourage you to pray with your kids at the end of the day, to not only talk through with what's happening and how they're feeling about their day, but to also teach them that they can talk to God about anything as well. So I know you're going to love it. If you go to one of our area churches, we're going to give it to every parent. Uh, but if you live further away and you want us to send you one, check out our show notes for how to get one for you. Now we're going to dive in to this interview with Chinway Williams. She is an amazing therapist who works with older children. We're going to specifically talk about how to get your older child communicating well with you. You're going to love it. Today we're talking about communication with your older kids. How do we get them to open up? How do we get them to give us more than those one word answers? How do we check in with what's really going on with our kids? And we are talking with one of my favorite people, Chenway Williams. I'm so excited that you're here today. I'm so glad to be here, Kendra. So for some of you, you have met Chenway before because she has been on our podcast and shared so much great information with us. Uh, but for some of you who are just meeting Chenway, she is a board certified therapist who uh, spends her time in her practice working with children in late adolescence and early adulthood. Uh, she is a professional and she is so smart and I'm so excited to have you today. So Chenway, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and what you're working on these days. Yes, absolutely. So I am a wife. I'm a mom of three. I've got a five-year-old Noah, nine-year-old Brayden, and Jalen, who is almost 17 years oh, old. Wow. So I've got a teenager in the home. She's with this every other weekend and she's just a doll um, and professionally as you mentioned I'm a licensed uh, clinical therapist so I've been seeing a lot of clients around so many different needs so yeah. kids teenagers families um, really mostly around managing difficult life transitions and obviously we've been in a really hard transition yes. I see the light at the end of the tunnel so that's so wonderful um, but people have been you know struggling a little bit and so we've just been helping people to kind of manage everything that's going on so lately I have been working with teenagers and young adults directly and also talking to parents encouraging them first and foremost because pandemic parenting is a thing <laughs> um, and it's not easy at all and so I think encouragement is really the you know the word of the day yeah. and also just providing support where I can so I love that you're yes. so good at that so I know um, meeting so many of our parents in our community that they really desire to have good communication with their kids uh, and kind of move beyond the, how was your day? It was fine. How was the test? Okay. You know, those like one word answers. But why would you say that 
communication between kids and parents is so important? Oh my gosh, it's so important because it teaches so many skills. Mm -hmm. So you and I talked about prior to this, Mm -hmm. um, that old adage that children should be seen Uh and not heard. Mm -hmm. And so, and I know that comes from another generation, but Mm -hmm. I think it's problematic because Mm -hmm. our kids are going through so many different challenges, Mm -hmm. especially our teenagers. And so if they're going through a challenge and we're giving them the message that we really don't want to hear from them, Mm -hmm. where does that leave them? Mm -hmm. So that leaves them ill-equipped, that leaves them confused, often with a lot of anxiety. And we want our kids to talk to us. We want our kids to talk to us about small things. We want our kids to talk to us about big, complex things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think first and foremost, uh, healthy communication to me is really the cornerstone of any relationship. And so that parent-child relationship is so critical. So we want our kids to talk. It's going to help them in the future Mm -hmm. with talking with their peers and with teachers and just doing life. Yeah, for sure. So um, my kids are grown and kind of out. uh, We're in empty nester season, which is so awesome, (laughs) by the way. Uh, But I remember kind of when my kids were in those teenage years and they would sometimes tell me things like maybe they had lied to a teacher or they had, Mm -hmm. you know, done something they shouldn't have done. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's so hard when you're the mom, especially a mom like me, I guess, not to react or respond (laughs) or like, what, you know, you're in so much trouble, whatever that is. Um, How important is it for parents to create a safe place for their kids to tell them what's going on, even if it's not something you want to hear all the time. Yeah, it's super important. Once again, um, lying is one thing, and that's something that every parent is going to have to deal with. But kids these days, teenagers especially, middle schoolers, they're going through a lot. And so what's out there, if we can just sort of name it, there's bullying, there's cyberbullying, there's sexting, there's still drugs and alcohol, which has always been around, right? Um, And so when we create a safe, nurturing environment, we're really sending the message to our kids and teenagers that they can talk to us about those big, scary things Mm -hmm. And as parents, our job really is to protect them, Mm -hmm. to keep them safe. And so when we have that open communication, again, we're sending the message that we can, you know, we can tolerate it. We can freak out on the inside, but not on the outside. And so that's encouraging them to come to us about those things that could actually be dangerous for them. And so that's really, that's really the important piece of it. Yeah. No, I I think that is so important because parents, you want to know, even though you think, Mm -hmm. I don't even want to know what's going on. You Mm -hmm. you do want to know because you can't help your child with something that you don't know about. You can't keep them safe if they're not willing to tell you uh, what's going on. So I I agree with you so much. That safe place is really important. I know you meet with a lot of kids and students and probably their parents, I bet, Mm -hmm. often as well. Mm -hmm. And I know even as an adult, we're never perfect at communication. Uh, we're always striving to be better. Um, just be married for a little while and you'll be like, oh, I thought I was, I thought I had figured that out and you're like working on it again, right? Yes, yes. Uh, kind of thing. Um, why do you think good communication is important to like the mental health of our children and our students? Yeah, it is 
critical. So I just want to share with you, I don't have all the details in front of me, but there was a pretty large scale study done in 2010. And there actually are similar studies that are out there that really talks about that nurturing, healthy, positive family environment. And a big piece of having a nurturing, positive family environment is parent-child communication. So that's what they found is that that's a huge indicator. And for kids who were have you know who had an experience where they could come to their parents about the small things the big things the scary things what the results showed were that these kids were able to be responsible they were competent they were able to be socially adept so they can talk to their peers they can have a conflict and be able to like work through it so the kids were independent but here's the thing that really stood out to me as a mental health therapist these kids were able to emotionally regulate so Kendra, have you heard that generate millennials and Generation Z are sort of the coddle generation or sometimes they're entitled or we baby them too much, right? Yeah. We put the blame on them, but some of it has to sit oh, with yeah. us, right? We raise them. We raise them. <laughs> and some of what I'm seeing and my friends who work in college counseling centers and I've worked in college counseling centers is that freshmen are coming in and they don't have the ability to really cope with hard things. So that parent-child environment and that open, effective communication really enables them to be able to emotionally regulate, which is identify their emotions, recognize it, be able to name it, and then they can regulate their emotions, right? And that's gonna help them when they're facing difficult, challenging, stressful situations. So mental health is critical right now, and parents are amazing influencers with that. For sure, for sure. Um, okay, so a lot of times teenagers don't think their parents are very cool. <laughs> um, but deep down, most of them, I believe, really want to have a good relationship with their parents. And so how can parents like kind of bridge that generational gap with their kids but be able to get them talking? Like what are strategies that you have um, when the kid's like, I don't want to hang out. I don't want to tell you what's going on. I don't want to talk about that. You know, um, what strategies and like advice do you have for parents? Like, let's get them open up and let's get them talking. Yes. And so one of the things that I always say with regard to being cool, Kendra, Mm -hmm. our kids don't really want us to be cool, especially our teenagers. They don't want us to embarrass them. Um, (laughs) But it's really more important to be present, to be consistent and to be genuine. So that's what I tell parents, you know, you can you can look cool for sure, but they don't really need you to be cool. Mm -hmm. They need us to be present. And so with regard to like strategies, Mm -hmm. I always say that um, it's important to know that especially the teenage developmental years are very similar to when you're parenting them as a two-year-old, right? There's a lot of emotions. There are a lot of changes that are going on. And there's a lot of acting out and pushing away because at each stage, being a two-year-old or a 15-year-old, you're really striving for independence. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that can feel a little bit Mm off-putting when your teenager is pushing you away and is acting like they don't wanna talk. But believe me, and I say this over and over again, in the therapy room, my teenagers want that relationship and they notice when their parents are a little bit distracted Mm -hmm. with work or maybe a family member that's ill no fault of their own but my kids will say yeah my mom's not paying as much attention yeah so i think in terms of strategies um especially when they're acting like no i don't want to talk is to 
remain available. Um, Meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. So our teenagers are communicating on (laughs) devices, right? (laughs) And so it is important to sort of, you know, communicate um, in a manner that's going to be Uh, that's going to fit their personality. Mm -hmm. So some kids really will open up via text, Mm -hmm. via uh, Snapchat, but not so much in person. So I think that that's something that's really important. Be willing to talk about feelings. Mm -hmm. And so you do that just by identifying what it is that you're seeing in your teenager. Mm -hmm. So I noticed that you've been down a little bit, Mm -hmm. or I noticed that you've been really upbeat, Mm -hmm. you know, so just Putting that feeling word out there is really important. And then the other thing I think is really important is um, communicating outside of your typical environment. Mm -hmm. So right now, a lot of us are at home. Many of us are starting to get out. The weather's changing. Um, Things are opening up, depending on where you are in the country. Um, Get outside. Take a drive. Take a hike, do some sort of activity that you and your teenager both enjoy. And if you have to be indoors, find a movie, a genre that's like exciting, something from Netflix or HBO and watch the... Um, the movie together and have like just a an organic discussion so it's not always about asking questions being intrusive because my teens really don't like that it feels like you're interrogating them right so it's more about just having organic conversations at a time that's kind of conducive for them Mm -hmm. and and around an interest that you both will enjoy yeah I love that Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, there's lots of ways you can do that that are organic and fit into your regular day. Like maybe you have an early riser, so you make breakfast or have breakfast with one kid every day. Um, I know, I remember one of mine really liked to cook. And yeah. so we would like pick recipes and that would just be something we did together. Um, you know, you got to walk the dog or you got to do mm-hmm. things like that, like grab a kid and they go with mm-hmm. you. Um, but also like put things on your calendar and book time that you're going to have dinner with a kid. I, I found that by my children a meal out almost always guaranteed they wanted to go (laughs) and so I still do that with my young adult I'm like hey I'm buying dinner to a fun restaurant just because I want to get them there so I can like check in on them and see how they're doing you know food is an excellent connector yeah I find that as well Yes. yes so true so true do you think kids and students uh, like want us to help them when they have a problem to solve? Like, do you think that they want us to give them advice? They want us to like solve it for them? Like, well, what is your advice around when a, when a, when one of your kids mm-hmm. shares a clear problem with you? Yeah. I, I know for me, I'm so tempted to like let's have a solution, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. It's probably how I'm wired a little bit too, but what's your advice around problem solving with kids? Yeah. And I think it's how you're wired. It's how I'm wired. Mm-hmm. I think it's how most parents are wired. I mean, we're supposed to be like, you know, in charge and we're supposed to be in charge of their nutrition, of their academics, of their extracurricular, right? Activities, especially as they're, you know, they're growing up. Um, and so it's hard not to jump in there when there's a problem when you're used to being the one that's kind of solving the problem. But I do want to cite a Harvard Business uh, article that I saw maybe about a year ago. I found this so interesting that I shared with my husband, and he'll he'll tell you he tends to sort of jump in there with our boys um, and with our our daughter, and that's just his way of showing love. But this particular study really said that out of sixteen um, leader qualities, so qualities that really emphasized what makes a good leader, so success qualities, number three was problem solving. 
Number three, so it's so important for our kids to learn how to solve a problem, but I think we don't need to be the ones that's doing it for them. We just need to teach them how to do it for themselves. So that's really, really critical. Um, In terms of advice giving, it's so funny, as a therapist, Kendra, people assume that therapists are supposed to give advice. And we really aren't supposed to. That's actually one of the number one things I learned in graduate school is that you're not supposed to give advice. You're really supposed to lead. You're supposed to guide. You're supposed to direct. You're supposed to really respond so the client can hear themselves, hear what they're saying out loud through you. So I think parenting can work in a similar way. I have found with my teenagers, they don't want advice as much from parents as guidance. And again, back to the problem solving, as they're sort of working through the problem by processing it and talking about it out loud, they're figuring it out on their own. And you would be shocked that the problem or the solution that they come up with is something that you would come up with because they've lived in your home, right? (laughs) You've been such an incredible influence. So again, I think that that is a way to sort of guide them as opposed to giving them advice and solving the problem for them. You're helping them build that muscle, so. I love that. So I know some of our parents are listening today and they already feel like they're struggling in communication. Maybe their kid, no matter what they try, has got their you know arms folded and they're giving them the silent treatment or they've withdrawn or maybe doors are slamming every night because someone's mad they had to do the dishes or whatever, you know, whatever it is. But they feel like they're already in a deficit, like they're they're in the negative with communication and they're they they don't know how to break down those uh, walls or like move forward what what kind of advice do you have for them yeah less is more mm. less is more so it's, hard. yeah it's so hard but especially if you feel like there's already tension within the relationship and every single important relationship is going to have its ups and downs mm-hmm. so I would just you know say to the parent please do not be discouraged but with teenagers um, there's so much that's going on and part of their job is to push you away and our job is to stay present and stay patient and and not take it personal. So three P's, right? Yeah. I just thought about that. Yeah, say it again. <laughs> say it again. So I think for us um, as parents, our job is to remember the three P's, mm-hmm. right? Stay present, mm-hmm. stay patient, and don't take it personally. Because again, that is their job to push us away a little bit. Um, and then the other thing that I want to mention, when you're struggling with your teen and they're giving you that one word answer, there's more than one way to communicate, right? So we don't always have to use verbal communication as a tool to connect with our kids. Again, back to texting, back to those activities that you both enjoy, such as hiking. My family, we love to find like different sites and explore and do an adventure and take a hike. And so many, again, organic conversations just come from those activities. You mentioned cooking, Kendra. That is the thing that my families are telling me that they really learned from the past year is like excellent, like new cuisines and recipes and something that they're doing together with their kids. I can't say enough about TikTok. I don't know how long it's going to be around. There'll probably be something to replace it. But my families are really bonding over coming up with these cool dance moves on TikTok, right? So whether it be watching a movie, going on a hike, um, engaging in a fun activity, it doesn't have to be a 
tell me your day, tell me how you're feeling, tell me what's going on. It could just be hanging out together. You know what? I know we've been in a slump um, and I want you to know that I love you and the relationship is so much more important than anything else. Let's go hang out. What do you want to do? It's on me. Love that. And, you know, I think one thing that you have said in all of this is as parents, it's our responsibility to like carry the burden for the tension or carry the burden for the relationship and lean in their direction. Like, don't think that every way you resolve something is a face to face. Mm -hmm. We're going to sit here till we fix it. Like, find other ways. I love going on a hike, cooking something, like find ways to break down the tension. Mm -hmm. And as parents, we, we carry that responsibility, I think, mm -hmm. in the relationship. And if we can do it well, it's not easy. I'm not, when you said the three Ps, I think I struggle the most with patience. And then honestly, my teenagers have hurt my feelings before, uh, you know, so sometimes they say things or do things and, and you think I love you more than anything and you don't want to be with me to you just slam the door on me or whatever that is. So um, finding other ways and as a parent, just feeling I'm responsible. I got to lean in their direction no matter really what I'm getting back. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. so true. And yeah. again, that's their job to push back. That's mm -hmm. their way of learning mm -hmm. conflict, communication, learning more about themselves. I'm reminded about a book. I'm going to mess up the title, but it's something like, I hate you. Now can I have the keys to the car? <laughs> that's a teenager. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what should you do as a parent when you feel like heightened concern? Like, um, you know, maybe what they're talking about is a pattern of sadness and it's kind of going on too long or they're telling you something that's happening at school and the way they're handling it or the way they're feeling about it, it concerns you. What what would you tell a parent when they're like starting to feel that way about the conversation? Yeah, and those are conversations I'm having actually with a lot of parents as a result of just everything our, our world has been going through. We are seeing an uptick in just mental health challenges just across the board, but our young people are feeling it the most, especially around loneliness. And so they may not even be able to identify I'm feeling lonely, but you might see sadness. You might see them withdraw even more so and you know moodiness is part of being a teenager so for a parent who's noticing that in their teen I would say that the first thing is to get them talking so when we think about communication we often think about what we're doing right now which is talking but when it comes to our kids it's really especially teenagers it's really more important that we do much more listening so I always tell parents listen then listen some more and then listen some more. And even if you have something that's like burning on your heart that you want to say, pause, put it to prayer. And you might even want to come back the next day or a couple days later. And so that's really giving your team the signal that they can share without being interrupted. They can share without having to worry about our response or our reaction and that you're being thoughtful about how you're going to process all of this and then come back and address it. So listening is number one. When you hear something about an emotion or an experience, I would say validate would be the second thing. So as you're listening, instead of really interjecting with your thoughts or interpretations, I would just say, wow, that sounds really hard. Or that would make me sad too. Or are you feeling frustrated about that? Like you can say those types of things and that helps a teenager to feel heard. Um, and then just, you know, repeat what you hear. 
So you're doing a lot of listening, you are doing a little bit of talking, but it's really based on your teenager leading the conversation. That's going to help them feel like they are heard and they're valued and that they matter. Mm -hmm. And so that's really important. So I've heard people say that there are no bad emotions. And sometimes that's hard to believe, right? <laughs> Especially in, in the world of a teenager or an adolescent or even a middle school, you know, age child, because there's a lot of, a lot of times a lack of self-control in the, all around the expression of emotions. Can you tell parents why there are no bad emotions? Like how they should look at those emotions when they see them? Yes, absolutely. So an emotion can feel uncomfortable. So the way I like to talk about emotions such as anger or frustration or even rage, right? Rage just it sounds bad, right? But we don't want to label any emotion as good or bad. They just are. Now emotions can be difficult. They can be uncomfortable, but we live in a fleshly body, right? And just to get a little spiritual, we live in a fallen world. And yes, there's salvation, but we're still here dealing with these things every single day. And we want to encourage our kids and our teens to feel whatever they're feeling. But I always say, we can go there, but don't stay there. But we have to acknowledge, we have to confront the emotions that are uncomfortable, that are difficult, that are hard, especially as a parent to be on the receiving end of it. But it's so important for them to get it out. There's so much research around when you push down an emotion, when you squelch it, when you deny it, when you dismiss it, it's going to come out. And that's when you're going to probably see the rage or some of those outward behaviors that are um Un, more than unpleasant, but sometimes dangerous. So we want to encourage all emotions and just remind kids that emotions are fleeting. Um, feel what you feel. Don't stay there. And then, you know, connect with someone that's going to help you come up with a solution to that problem. Are there any times when kids and parents are talking where there should be kind of a red flag for a parent? Like, okay, this is moving into a danger zone or this is I think we need more help or like any thoughts about that yeah absolutely so first and foremost moodiness is a part of your middle schooler's life is a part of your high schooler's life right adolescence is filled with moodiness because of just all of the physical emotional um, cognitive changes that they're experiencing and so we also know that because of that those changes, that can actually lead to an increase in sadness or even depression. So some of the red flags that sometimes even yellow flags, right? So it doesn't mean that we want to act right away, but we absolutely want to lean in when we're noticing like a sharp change in personality, in behavior. And so that means you have to really know your child and they change as they grow up, right? So you want to stay connected so that when they shift, that, you know, that stands out to you. That's something that, that's not something that my child would normally do. So for example, a teenager sleeping until 12 o'clock on a Saturday is not abnormal, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but know your teen. If your teen is an early riser or your teen gets up at noon and now they're getting up at two and three and they're still saying that they're tired, that's something to pay attention to. So also changes in not just sleep patterns, but eating patterns. Um, if there's a lot more outbursts, if they're withdrawing, so behavioral changes, again, it's not unusual for your teen to spend time in their room, but it might be unusual for your teen not to take a call from a friend or not to wanna go hang out with a friend when there's an opportunity to do so. 
And then a big one for parents is a decline in, in academic um, progress. So that's something that a lot of parents will mention. Um, they usually do so well at math and now they're struggling. So that could also be, again, a yellow flag. And I love what you just said. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's something really serious or concerning going on but you want to lean in, you want to ask questions. And it also doesn't mean that you have to see a therapist like me. Um, sometimes it's um, a, a youth leader, a coach, an educator, a neighbor, or another friend that can get a little bit more out of your child than you would be able to, but it doesn't necessarily mean that your child absolutely has to see a therapist. But if you have concerns, if, if you have questions, um, the first step for me would be to call the pediatrician and just say, this is what I'm noticing. What do you think? Um, because I know for parents, it's so overwhelming to find a therapist, especially right now when the need is so great and not a lot of great therapists are available, as available. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Um, okay, so we've talked a lot about listening and talking, all with the motivation of we want a stronger bond with our teenager uh, and our older older kids. We want to, to guide them. We want to support them. What role do you think faith has in guiding and supporting our children? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> so I will speak personally. Um, I don't know that I could have gone through this past year without my faith. So mm -hmm. with all of the ups and downs that we as a nation, as a globe, um, have been experiencing, I, I, I wouldn't know what to do without my faith because I know that that is what remains constant mm -hmm. when the world is in flux, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and part of my job as a parent is to share my faith, really, as, as, as a believer, is to share my faith, and as a parent, even more so, because mm -hmm. we have such incredible influence. And so kind of going back to what we've experienced and just what life is about, the Word of God and John says that in this world, you will have trouble, right? Mm -hmm. And so I see faith as really an anchor that we can teach our kids, you know, through our parenting, through conversations, um, that life is hard sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And this is how we can handle it. This is how we can handle the ups and downs. This is how we can handle change that feels so scary and so mm -hmm. uncertain is through our faith and anchoring in um, our belief in a God that does not change. The, right. the love that we get from our Lord and Savior does not change even when everything else does. Yeah. Okay, so what are things we can do to help our kids like grow in wisdom, make better choices, um, look to their own personal relationship with God for comfort? What are things that we can do as parents to like set them up for that to be a part of this whole process of communication, mentally healthy children, children who love Jesus and know what it means to like make good choices for their life? Yeah, I love that question so much. Again, I love what you said that, you know, our faith is personal. Um, and we want our kids to have their own personal relationship with Christ. And I think it really starts with how we are. So there's um, a saying that I'm sure you've heard, Kendra, that oftentimes things are um, not taught, they're caught, right. right, with our kids. And so that really speaks to observation. That really speaks to modeling, which is a huge part of parenting, right? But especially with regard to faith practices and um, just things that deepen and strengthen our relationship, I think our kids are looking to us. They are definitely looking to us. I remember growing up, um, I don't remember my mom ever saying, read your Bible. 
or do your devotional. I, I re honestly don't. Um, of course, I went to Catholic school for 100 years, so maybe <laughs> she thought I was getting enough of that, right? Um, but I do remember walking into her room to say, Mom, where are my sneakers? And she'd be praying on her knees or she'd have like the Bible open. So again, the modeling I think is so important. And are we able to live out our faith, not just on Sundays, and this is not a criticism. This is really an encouragement. Yeah. Um, and I, t you know, I talk to myself about this, and my husband and I have conversations around this. You know, can we live out our faith not just on Sundays, not just on Easter, not just on Christmas, and not right before a meal, but throughout the day? Because our kids are watching. Um, just a quick example, true story. This happened last week. My five-year-old Noah was talking um, loudly. <laughs> five-year-old boys do and shout out to Miss Sanford who's his kindergarten teacher she taught the class that their levels I love this and I don't know if you've heard this so um, level three is loud level two is normal level one is um, something else right and so he was talking kind of loud and I remember the level so I said Noah do you think you can speak at a level one he said, no, mom, that's a whisper. He was like, ah, you're not going to be able to hear what I say. He was like, why do you want me to speak at a level one? And I said, well, mommy has a little bit of a headache. And this was true. And he said, oh, okay. And I turned around to do something. And I turned back around, true story. He had his hands over his face. And I was like, did your brother hit you? And he said, no, mom, I'm praying to God to get rid of your headache. And he said, dear God, please make my mommy's headache go away. I thought it was the sweetest thing. Yeah. And again, um, what we do as parents is often not taught, yeah. but caught. Yeah. So he got that from somewhere, yeah. right? And yeah. hopefully from me yeah. or my husband. And so I tell parents, pray for their friends, pray for the soccer team, pray for the bus driver, pray for the teachers, um, do a gift basket for a friend that's ill, call grandmother and pray for grandmother on the phone or via Zoom when you know that she's not feeling well. Those are the ways that we can really instill um, our faith practices and help our kids to strengthen their own relationship um, yeah. with Christ. So. I love that so much. I do think, you know, clearly that faith is a huge part of knowing how to live your life and how to navigate when things are difficult and how to believe that you're not alone. God's with you. His love is with you always. Like, you're right. Yes. And as parents, we're the primary teachers. Yes. Not the Catholic school, not your even your small group on Sunday. Yes. It really is what they see lived out at home, 100%. 100%. And it's not that we're going to get it right all the time. Right. We're, we are going to have missteps, but that is where grace comes in. And yeah. so I, I always tell parents, you know, um, pray at the mountaintop, pray in the valley, yeah. you know, and thank God for perseverance and strength because parenting is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. And so we just keep going back and just thanking God for his grace and his mercy. Yeah, for sure. Chinway, thank <laughs> you so much for being with us today. I, I feel like this is packed with information that our it's going to help our parents be better parents, be better listeners, better at talking with their children. Thank you so much. I love it. Thank you so much. I love being with you, Kendra. So parents, as we wrap up and say goodbye, I hope you will just take one or two things. Like if, if there's some withdrawal or some 
frustration or tension in a relationship that you won't just let that like carry on, but that you'll lean in, you'll take a strategy from Chin Wei today, and you will find a way to build better communication with your teenager. I promise, as a mom of children who are now young adults, you will not regret. You will just not regret this time you spent. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you soon. Oh, 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 oh,